morning, Northbrook. Our passage today is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. If you need a copy of God's Word, it's on our welcome table at the back. If you don't own one, please take it home as our gift to you. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how in childhood you had been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hey, good morning. Good to see all of you again. Anybody uh, regret overeating and all that stuff? Just me? Nope. Great. Yeah, we, uh, my family went to Broken Bow, Oklahoma uh, this past week, and we, uh, 16 of us were in one cabin, um, and we had enough food for probably double that, um, but we didn't throw that much food away, if that tells you anything. Uh, And so I also became a soccer fan uh, over over this last week, shout out, Steve. yeah, um, which is just not good for, uh, I mean, I'm like watching soccer players, and then I'm looking like this, uh, and so uh, the diet starts tomorrow, but then it's like, well, Christmas is coming right around the corner, so I don't, you know, we'll just see how it goes. Um, no, I am, uh, man, I'm, I'm so excited to, uh, to be here. Like Jake said, we're going to take uh, another break from First Peter. We'll be back in that next Next week, but uh, this week we're going to continue in Second uh, Timothy chapter three, and hopefully this will be a little bit chipper than last week uh, when we kind of looked at the the godlessness in the last days uh, and all of the problems in the world. Um, but uh, we're we're going to continue to dive into what the remedy for that is, the remedy for godlessness in the last days in our lives, in in the world, and uh, yeah, and I'm I'm excited. Uh, because the answer for how to overcome the problem of sin and godlessness in, again, in the world and in our own lives uh, is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. He, he is the answer. So, uh, yeah, so just as a reminder from last week, uh, Paul is, is writing to Timothy. He's, he's ministering in a time where uh, theology and morality are, are very separated. Um, things aren't going hand in hand. Uh, many people are leaving the faith altogether. And, and I read a quote from, from John Stott last week that I read in January of this year, and I'm just going to read it again because it's, it's just a really good quote, and it really does help us to kind of make that link between uh, our Uh, our circumstances and Timothy's circumstances back then. So it says this, for our era too is one of theological and moral confusion, even of apostasy. But as for you, Timothy is called to be different. 
The church of our day urgently needs to take heart the message of the second letter of Paul to Timothy. For all around us, we see, uh, we see Christians and churches relaxing their grip of the gospel, fumbling it, in danger of letting it drop from their hands altogether. A new generation of young Timothys is needed who will guard the sacred deposit of the gospel, who are determined to proclaim it and are prepared to suffer for it and who will pass it on pure and uncorrupted to the generation which in due course will rise up to follow them. And so that's, that's the call for us. This is where we find ourselves. This is where uh, the circumstances that Timothy found himself were. And so this is our call that we'll be able to guard the deposit that has been entrusted to us. And, and last week, you'll remember that that list of godlessness that we read through uh, sounded really familiar for two reasons. One, because we're seeing that all throughout the world today. But it, two, it sounds familiar because it's me and it's you. It's us. And so we talked about how, um, how, how we are lovers of self. We're lovers of money. We're proud. We're arrogant. Um, we, we are conceited and heartless. And, and every other word on that list, in ourselves, in our flesh, by our own strength, we're every word on that list. You name it, and I am guilty of it. Uh, I, I, if left to my own devices to fix it, I, I can maybe white knuckle some things and kind of uh, clean up some of my behavior. But in the end, that behavioral modification is not going to make me right with God. I, I can't do it on my own. I need something outside of myself to atone for my sin. I can't fix what's been broken and I can't reconcile myself to God. But hallelujah. Jesus Christ has made a way because he stood condemned in my place and he received the punishment for my sin and for your sin, brother and sister, believer. He gave us his perfect obedience. And so now the problem of our sin, the problem of godlessness in our lives, in our very lives, individually and as a people, the, 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 the problem of that has a remedy. So that problem has a remedy and it is the gospel. And again, because of the gospel, I'm not who I once was. I now have the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the living God living within me to fight and kill that godlessness in my life. And I can read through a list like that now and, and, and not be overwhelmed with guilt and shame. Uh, but instead, I can read through a list like that and it can produce in me thanksgiving for what God has saved me from. And it can also uh, have me, empower me and strengthen me to look and go, okay, there, there's some work to be done here in this area of my life. Because my life now is not matching up with what Paul says I should be and what the Lord says I should be, but it's matching up more with this list. Okay, I got some work to do. Let's get to work. Again, again grace-driven, holy efforts from right standing, not for right standing. Again, gospel work in our lives. And so we don't shy away from the Bible. We don't shy away from these lists yeah, because we don't want to, as verse 5 told us, we don't want to have the appearance of godliness all the while denying its power. Which again, it, it means that we can come to church on Sundays. It means that we can go to our community groups midweek, be generally nice people. We can live good lives. But the Bible says that we're still in danger of only having the appearance of godliness. If there's no real heart change, no, no real walking in obedience to fight and kill sin in our own lives, if there's no real love for the Lord, no real desire to go and share this message with a dark and dying world, 
than all of the church attendance on Sundays, all the times we hit up group midweek, all the being nice. It, they're, they're just works of a false gospel that says we, we can just do things and look godly and that's enough to be redeemed. But Paul's telling us so clearly that's not the case. So Jesus isn't just a way forward. He's our only way forward. And thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, we're not defined by the things on the list from last week. We are to protect and guard the deposit of the gospel, that he's redeemed us and he's instilled in us now. So look at verse 13. It says this, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So that's, that's the, the people from last week. Those are, those are the people that are still defined by that list. It's the godlessness in the, our world today in the last days. They're, they're gonna go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being, that was weird, deceiving. Uh, sorry, deceiving and being deceived. But then look what Paul says, but as for you. And so he's setting Timothy apart. He's, he's saying you are, you're, you're set apart, you're different from this. And so now we can hear it with those ears because we know that Jesus Christ has redeemed us and we can hear it with those ears. And so now the, the Lord is telling us, but as for you, believer, as for you, you have been saved from these things. You're set apart now. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so maybe that's not your story. Maybe you, you didn't grow up in the church learning the scriptures. Maybe you were saved later in life, but maybe that is your story and you learned the gospel and you had all of these things down. I know my story. I, I, I could tell you all 66 books of the Bible. I could tell you the minor prophets and the major prophets and, and how all of this stuff was broken down because I wanted to get a candy bar on Sunday when I came and, and, and was able to memorize these things. And so I had all of this information, but I could never connect the dots I can never, I can tell you parts of the gospel and I can tell you why, uh, or, or not why, I can tell you that, that I sinned and so Jesus had to die on a cross, but I couldn't tell you why he had to die on a cross. And I could tell you that he raised up and that uh, because he conquered sin and death that someday I'm able to go to heaven, but I, but I never understood the why. I didn't understand that, that my sin was so atrocious that, that there had to be blood shed in order for there to be reprimand, uh, whew, that's a tough word, uh, what is the, yeah, we'll go with that one, reconciliation. <laughs> there, there had to be blood shed. And so it's not just about intellectual information. It's not just about things that we can kind of store away and pull up. Oh, you know, Second Peter says this, or oh, hey, you know, the, it, it's not about just that. And so maybe that's your story, or maybe it's not. But, but regardless, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then this is for us. This is for you. You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which means this book is the word of God. It is living and breathing and active. And that's not what the culture would say today. It would say that it's, that it's ancient, that it's outdated, that it's, that it's small-minded, and that it's, yeah, but we know this is the way forward. 
We know this is the way forward, and we've got to preserve the gospel and raise up the next generation to believe and obey God Almighty. And, and, and here's why, because we don't want to end up like the Israelites so often do. And so if you're following along in uh, the Bible reading play, we just read through jo- uh, Judges, and, and if you remember in Judges chapter 2, we read about the death of Joshua, who, who had led Israel so faithfully. He, he led them so faithfully and kept them in the ways of the Lord and, and then this happens. Listen to this from Judges 2.10. It says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And so how are we to contend for truth and, and preserve the way in our culture? How are we to combat false teaching? How are we to combat false gospels? Well, we hold fast to truth. And again, we see the Bible for what it is, the holy inspired word of God. We teach it and we instill it into the next generation, which means some of the most important ministry on Sunday mornings that's going on is right in that gym right there. And listen, even if you don't have kids, it, it is part of all of our charge and responsibility as a part of this church to raise up the next generation and to love and good works. And, and I want to lay this before you for the sake of the kingdom. If you're not serving in kids' ministry, please serve in kids' ministry. And I didn't talk to anybody about this. I'm not like, this isn't a planned thing. I'm just, man, if you're legally and physically able to serve over there, please do, because we're not just asking you to, to babysit over there. We're, we're instilling the word of God into these children. It's not just all Legos and snacks over there, although those, there are those things, and that's awesome but it's, it's instilling the word of God into those children. And I, I don't think it's too hyperbolic to say that the preservation of the gospel depends in large part on the next generation receiving it now. Again, we're being compelled by the gospel to carry out the charge of Deuteronomy 6. And, and so if we're a, truly a church family, then it is the responsibility of all of us to teach the word of God to the children of the church, again, whether they're ours or not. And listen, what a joy that responsibility is. It, like, it's a freedom to serve. It's not a burden to serve. It's a joyful act of worship unto him who has set us free. And, and at, when our hearts are changed by the spirit of the word of God, we, we walk that out, not just having the appearance of godliness, but we walk it out in spirit and in truth. And so I, I believe that the Lord has sovereignly placed you here at this moment, in this cultural moment, at this time, as a part of this church in order that he may empower us through the gospel, through his Holy Spirit to honor and glorify him in this way. So whether it's serving over there or, or, or serving elsewhere, he's placed us here. And what a humble confidence we should have as we step into that responsibility, trusting again that that he who has called us will strengthen us and empower us, and he'll be faithful to complete that work. So let's jump down to verse 16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so we see here very clearly that, that it's God's word that prepares us for ministry. 
It equips us for ministry. It prepares us for all of life. It, it trains us and it teaches us and it disciples us so that we can go to work. We can go to school. We can go to our family and our friends and we can go to a park. We can go across the street. And it empowers us then to love and to serve people in hopes that God may be known throughout all generations, starting throughout our neighborhoods and going into the nations as we share the truth of the gospel. And that's, the, the gospel, again, it, it, it's not something we're ever gonna get past. Like, we're gonna hear the gospel every time the saints of Northbrook gather. We're gonna hear it because it's not a once and done thing. It, it is something that consistently and constantly, we, we've gotta hear and remember and, cha- and, it, and let it change our hearts. As we, again, we, we uh, sometimes identify with the things on last week's list. But it's the gospel that it empowers us. It's the gospel that chisels off. It's the finished work of Jesus in our lives. Because the enemy is right now working against us. He's working against you individually. He's working against Northbrook. He's working against all of God's churches in this area and throughout the world. He's right now preparing his next attack on us. And as soon as we wise up to a scheme, he's going to change it up, and and he's relentlessly seeking to destroy. And so how do we stand against that? How do we become countercultural in the face of godlessness of today's age? And I I don't think that it's Paul telling us to do all the good, everything, everywhere, all the time, every time, but we're not Jesus, but contextually, what Paul is exhorting Timothy to here, uh, it has much to say to us today. And so we hold fast to the gospel. We hold fast to the word of God. We hold fast and we share the gospel. And again, this can look so many different ways. Maybe it's out meeting people and sharing the gospel. Maybe it's having tea with a neighbor or coffee. Or maybe it's even sharing with your family. Maybe it's teaching your children the scriptures talking to a friend or a coworker who's going through a hard time, praying for them, serving them in some way. Maybe you meet someone in the park, on and on and on. There, there are so many opportunities. And I think sometimes when we think about evangelism, we can, we can kind of think about it as one, one avenue, like one way to where there's an A, B, C, D, E, and, and the end point is, is here. But, but I, I think what the Lord has for us, and I think what uh, Paul is saying to Timothy here, and, and what we can imply and realize is that, is that gospel opportunities are everywhere. They're everywhere. And, and it, again, it may not look uh, it, a, a certain way where you're able to take someone from here to there. Maybe it's a quick, you only have a couple of seconds. Even Jake, uh, a couple of weeks ago, talked about um, having that prepared, like some sort of maybe 15-second testimony. So having opportunities like that, or, or maybe it is investing in relationships uh, and, and being able to share at lengths of times. But it's, it, it's the way that we're able to look at that. And I know for me, a lot of times I, I don't take opportunities uh, because um, I'm scared or I have fear of man. Maybe I, it's, I feel awkward. Um, I don't want to be that kind of weird guy or, yeah, what I, the, the truth is that if we, we want to be a, a, a people who hold fast to the gospel, then those are the kinds of things that we gotta fight through. Right? We, we, we've gotta lay that stuff down. 
We've got to press into those awkward conversations and accept the fact that we might be rejected or laughed at. Even in those conversations closest to us, I, a, a few months back, was having a conversation with uh, a family member, and um, was, she was sharing uh, a hard time that she was going through, and, and, and I remember uh, offering the hope of the gospel in that moment, and, and, and it was just kind of met with, ah, that's, not, that's, that's cheesy, that's not what I need right now. And, and in those moments, like, are we, are, are we going to press into the awkward and go, no, it's actually exactly what you need right now. It's the only thing that you need right now. And if we miss that, then we miss the beauty of the gospel. We miss what the Lord has then called us to do. So do we truly believe, counter to what those actual conversations may play out, do we believe deep in our bones that the power of the gospel is what they need, is the only thing that we can offer? Do we feel a sense of urgency in those conversations? Do we feel compelled to share the good news with others outside of kind of our bubble? We can easily get caught up in that. And maybe we're, we're doing a lot of these things as the Lord has us, but but I, I just want to challenge us to frequently reconsider what else the Lord may have for us in our daily lives in, in way of gospel conversations. And so maybe this week we take some opportunities to, to uh, in, in a situation where maybe we would have just kind of moved on or, or brushed past something. You, you see a little opening. Maybe, maybe this week we consider and ask the Holy Spirit to empower us and strengthen us to jump into those conversations. There are many ways that we can share the gospel as Paul is charging us here. And my, my prayer is that we would be a people that continually, continually look for those opportunities in every aspect of our lives. And then also the, uh, another implication of the gospel, another implication that, that the word of God compels us to is gospel service. And again, we we can serve in a myriad of different ways. And so we can look and, and, and just consider how are we serving the Lord with our lives? Again, not just works. We're not, we're not going towards just works or having the appearance of godliness there, but, but spirit-powered, holy motivated service. Like, do we look for opportunities to serve others? Are we tempted to look for more opportunities to serve ourselves? I know that's a temptation for me, for sure. To serve ourselves or opportunities to even be served. And then thinking about here at church, how how are you serving at church? And if you're not serving, why not? There there are many opportunities here. We we see that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And so we follow in his example, and we see that he, he served his followers, but he also served those that were far from him. And so if we have any hope of standing and being cultural preservers, then, then we've got to be people that hold fast to that gospel and, and that serve others here inside these walls and outside our walls. And so our unbelieving neighbors that don't want anything to do with us, are we, are we building relationships with them? Are we serving them? Are we reaching out to them? Are we finding ways to be gospel lights to them? We've got to be people who proclaim the gospel message of life to the fullest. And we've got to live lives 
uh, of service here and outside these walls. And listen, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. We're going to fall short. Again, we're not Jesus. But thank God that he is. We're going to fall short. We are at times going to still be to, uh, look like those things on that list. But again, because of the finished work of Jesus, brother and sister, take heart. Because we're not defined by that list. We're no longer defined by those things. Because Christ has come for that very purpose. He has come to move us from darkness into his marvelous light. And yes, we will face fiery trials. We'll face persecution if we desire to live a godly life. We'll face the godlessness of the last days, but we're not going to face them alone. We've got the spirit of the living God living within us, strengthening us, empowering us, leading us, guiding us, directing us. And we've got one another. The Lord has brought us here and he's saved us, not just individually, but he saved us as a people. And he saved us as a family. And so are, are we taking opportunities then even to, to lean on one another? Or even just this morning, Will asking me how I'm doing. And, and I was carrying some stuff that I probably shouldn't be carrying. And he stopped right there and prayed for me, and it lifted. Like, what a, what a beautiful gift that this community is. Because it would be so much easier to just sleep in. It'd be so much easier to, I mean, it's a beautiful day. It would be so much easier to just go to the park. And so we don't come here just for the appearance of godliness. <laughs> Matt, Chandler, he would always say, the church is a lame hobby. Let's don't just do this because this is what you do in Texas. There's so much more for us, brothers and sisters, and I can't wait to continue walking down that road with you. And so thank you for being my family. And we thank God that he has saved us into that family. And so let's stand together. Let's stand strong. Let's preserve the faith. Let's instill it into the next generation. And again, this seems like a daunting task, but, but we can do it because Christ has done it for us. Let me pray for us. Father, we pause and, and just say thank you. Uh, uh, after a, a week where um, we, it was somewhat centered on thanksgiving and, and giving thanks, Lord, uh, would that not end? Uh, would, that, would our lives um, live, would we live lives of thankfulness to you, God? For all that you've done, for all that you have promised us, God, I, I thank you for your word, and I, I thank you, Lord, that, that you haven't left us to face the godlessness of the last days in, in our own lives or, or in the culture and in the world. I, I thank you that you haven't left us to face that on our own. I thank you, Lord, that you have spoken, that, that this book is your living and breathing word, and it is useful. It, it equips us. It teaches us. And so, Lord, where we would be tempted to not do those things and, and where we would be tempted to, um, to, to not let the gospel, your word of God, the gospel, would we, where we would be tempted to not let that empower us and where we would be tempted to run from it, would you help us, God? Would you strengthen us? 
Would you continue to chip away the, the rough edges where, again, we identify with the list from last week instead of who you have saved us to be and who you've called us into, Lord. So I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would pull them out of darkness and into your marvelous light because it's better. And we, we can't do that on our own. Lord, again, all, the best that we can hope for is behavior modification. And we don't want that. We want more of you. And we want our lives to change because you have changed our lives. So would you continually do that, Lord? We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ we pray. Amen.